Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. It's probably, it's the plan anyway, with our final message. Our series is Take a Good Look, and today we are looking ahead. Our first week of the series was looking up. We're looking at God, and uh, if I could just give one little bullet point for each message, the, the basic point of looking up was the best way to think about God that encompasses everything about him uh, in the most balanced way possible is, is to think of him as Father. This is how Jesus addressed him, and if we could see God as our perfect heavenly Father, it would resolve a lot of the difficulty uh, trying to figure out, well, is he a judge or does he love me? It's both. You know, it's like a good father. And next week we look down, looking down at the devil. Why down? Because he lives in hell? No, because he's under our feet. His power is essentially the power to deceive. He can't do anything without us giving him the permission, okay? He's looking for people whom he may devour, but he is a defeated foe. We walk out our victory over him. Uh, day by day. Next, we looked around, and we discover that uh, there are two categories of people in this world as far as Jesus is concerned. There are the brethren, the family of God, you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord, and then there are our neighbors. It's not Jew and Gentile. It's not us versus them. Uh, It is, and it's not friends and enemies. It's brothers and neighbors. And then last week, it was looking back, the proper way to examine our past. There are things that we are to celebrate, things we are to memorialize, things we are consciously to bring to our own remembrance, God's faithfulness and his promises. But there are things that we are supposed to forget, leave them in the past. We don't wallow in guilt that was forgiven 2,000 years ago, right? And then uh, today... We come to looking ahead and we look back at those first four and say, well, if God is my loving heavenly father and if our enemy is defeated and if I have clear instructions from God on how to treat my neighbor, how to treat my brothers, and if I remember his faithfulness in the past, where do I go from here? What does that mean as I look ahead? And part of it is, is simply the mirror image of the looking back If I take stock of where I am and how I got here, what what does it mean? Where where do I want to be? Look, I know there are things you can't plan for. Life throws us sometimes some nasty surprises. You can't plan for everything. And it's cruel to look at somebody who's in, uh, in bad situations, dire straits, situations that look hopeless. It's cruel to look at them and say, well... It's your own fault. You didn't plan, plan ahead well enough. You didn't make good decisions. Or you can even spiritualize it. You just weren't in faith. But spiritually speaking, let's just talk about how close we are to God, where we are in terms of our holiness, our devotion, our knowledge of his word. You are exactly as close to God as you want to be. No matter what you say or what you sing, uh, this is something I've shared a number of times. We'll sing, and we sing, oh, more love, more power, more of you in my life. 
All I need is more of Jesus. All I need is to be closer to God. More of God, more of his power, more of his love. Do you think God is holding himself back until you sing harder or until you beg for more of him? You have exactly as much God as you want. You have exactly as much of Jesus as you make room for in your life. Sometimes it has nothing to do with how much of God, uh, how much of him he is sharing with you. It's how much of you are you willing to get rid of to make room for more of him. The reason we don't have more of God is we refuse to have less of us. Your current state, your knowledge of his word, your holiness, your devotion, your prayer life, and your public witness is all, uh, are all a direct result of your priorities up to this point. You are where you are with God today because of your decisions. The question is this, are you satisfied with that? Are you satisfied with where you are? Or do you know you should be further along? I think most of us can look and say, for as long as I've been in this, I should be further along spiritually than I am. I should know more. My prayer life should be richer. My knowledge should, should, I, I should be sharing more. So the question looking ahead is, if I know I'm supposed to be further along, what do I have to do to get further along? I don't know. I, I've told this, I've used this illustration or some version of it before. Is there anybody in here who uh, has earned the Army Ranger tab? You went to Ranger School and uh, wore the tab. Anybody? I didn't think so. Uh, and, and I certainly didn't. But uh, you've all heard, you guys know what the Rangers are, right? And there's a difference between Ranger School and a Ranger Battalion. There are, there are men serving in a Ranger Battalion who don't, who don't have the Ranger Tab. And there are many, many people with the Ranger Tab who aren't serving in a Ranger Battalion. But the Ranger School is, uh, I don't know, it changes all the time. When I was in, it was about a 63-day school. And it's a small unit leadership course. And it's largely considered the toughest or certainly one of the toughest schools that the military has to offer. Uh, it just, it is grueling. And it's not so much, you know, when you get into special forces uh, or, or, or uh, Navy SEALs and some of these others, there's a lot of technical training where you become absolute experts at the things you do. Ranger school isn't like that. It's meant to teach uh, basic survival, first aid, and, and patrol leadership skills. And instead of, and what they try to do is duplicate the pressure of combat. And since they can't just shoot you, <laughs> they, they, they try to replace the, the danger of bullets. With the, uh, they they uh, make up for that by robbing you of sleep and robbing you of food. And put you through this grueling pace. Uh, especially during the first couple of weeks. And it's tough. And I've known guys, I've heard a couple of things that really made an impression on me. Um, one of them was a guy I was at my officer basic course with, and there were a number of guys uh, going through that course, brand new second lieutenants who either through West Point or through prior enlistment had been to ranger school. Most of the rest of my classmates were going to go to ranger school because as an infantry officer, you wanted to have the ranger tab, you wanted to have those airborne wings. Those were like the two, we called them HUA schools. And uh, this guy had been to ranger school the summer before. And the drag about ranger school is you can get kicked out at any time. Two days before graduation, you can be kicked out. If you just make one too many mistakes, they keep a record of your good spots and your bad spot reports. This guy got kicked out two days before graduation. 
And I, just him telling me this story made me want to cry. I'm thinking, how could you go through 61 of 63 days of training and then wash out? And I think it was something stupid. He was leading the patrol, and his radio operator fell asleep. According to him. Maybe he fell asleep. Who knows? That's a, I've heard horror stories of guys walking up to a tree and trying to put money in it to make a phone call because their minds are so fried from lack of sleep and lack of food. And I said, didn't that just break your heart? Because now he had to go back and start all over this year. And uh, he said, you know, it does now. When I look back, it absolutely breaks my heart. He says, but I kid you not, when they told me I was done, the only thing going through my mind was, I'll be out of this tomorrow. That was more exciting to him at that moment than going through two more days of what he was going through. The other thing I heard was from uh, Barry McCaffrey, General Barry McCaffrey, who was, uh, many of you may remember him from his days as the drug czar of the Clinton administration. He was a retired four-star general. He was also the most successful and aggressive ground commander of the Gulf War, first Gulf War. He was the commandant of the school when I was there, so I heard him speak a couple of times. And he was telling us about the different schools. He goes, how many of you were prior enlistment? How many of you went to, enlisted, uh, to basic training as an enlisted man? And several of us had. And he says, and you heard about how hard it was, how all the push-ups and the screaming of the drill sergeants. And when he got there, yeah, it was a shock. But after a few days, he realized, eh, it's not as hard as everybody thought it was. And we're all like, yeah, 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 yeah. He goes, I know there are a lot of West Pointers out here. How many of you heard about the, the, the hell week and the plebe year and all the nightmares that awaited you when you got to your first year at West Point? And then you got there, and it was a little scary at first, but then you realize it's just not as hard as you thought it was going to be. And everybody's like, yeah, 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 yeah. He says, and how many of you, even when you came to this school, you heard about what a demanding course it was because they're training you to be leaders of men in the, com- in the, uh, the queen, you know, queen of battle, the infantry, and then you've gotten here and you realize it's kind of a business-like atmosphere. It's an eight-to-five job when you're not in the field. It's just not as hard as you thought it was going to be. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you will never feel that way about ranger school. You will never feel that way about ranger school. He says, I've told people this. He goes, I swear it's true. You might not believe me, but there were times in Vietnam when I was pinned flat on my back watching the tracer rounds go over my face just inches and thinking to myself, it could be worse. I could be back at ranger school. (laughs) For that reason, the ranger tab, which is just a little arch that goes above your unit patch or or on, on, on on your uniform, that is one of the most respected Uh, decorations in the army or across the services. You see that ranger tab and it tells you something about the character of the person wearing that ranger tab because you know what they had to go through. Therefore, everybody wants the ranger tab. You know what not everybody wants to do? Go to ranger school. I always put it this way. Uh, And and, and in fact, we had this opportunity. I'll, I'll try not to drag this out too long. There was, uh, as I told you, most of my classmates at this school were going on to first airborne school, get their jump wings, and then to ranger school to get their ranger tab, and then they'd get, be assigned to their unit. And so they, the day early on in, in our uh, five-month school there, they, they hand out this sheet. It's your dream sheet. Check the top three schools you want to go to, and then check two alternates. And you can go to airborne, air assault, uh, uh, mortar platoon leaders course, uh, pathfinders, but everybody checked airborne ranger. Airborne Ranger, Airborne Ranger. That's the first two everybody wanted. And these were the two tickets you had to punch. Now, I was a reserve guy. 
National Guard. I'm going through the same school these guys are, but they gave me the form, so I checked Airborne Ranger, just like everybody else. And then we get a colonel who meets with all of the reserve component guys who were at that school at the time. He says, guess what? Got good news and bad news. Bad news is we can't get you jump school. Nobody, none of you guys, because of what units you're from, we can't give you orders for three weeks of jump school. Good news is we can get you ranger school. I'm like, I really want to go to ranger school. I want to, I want to get my parachute badge. I want to go to ranger school. Like, but I said, but you know, why, why can't? And so we argued a little bit. He's like, well, you, you're not an airborne unit. And I'm like, ah, oh, we're not a ranger unit either. He says, yeah, but the ranger training will actually make you a better officer, blah, 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 blah. And I was just honest. I said, sir, I really don't want to go. It's, uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm on a time crunch here. I'm already doing five months of this. I got to get back home. And, uh, but I was honest with myself. I wanted the tab. I didn't want to go to school. And this is the way I put it. People want to have gone to ranger school, but they don't want to go to ranger school. And this is, there's a very clear connection that I have seen, is we want the accolades and we want to be able to say, I am a good Christian. I am a follower of Christ. I want to be able to say that I lived the life, that I lived the gospel but we don't want to do the hard work associated with that. I want to know the Bible, but I don't want to study the Bible. I want to have results in my prayer life, but I I don't want to have to pray. I don't want to have to invest the time in learning how to pray effectively. G.K. Chesterton famously said this, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. Rather, it has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. Rather, it has been found difficult and left untried. Now, over and against this, we have Jesus' words. In Matthew chapter 11, Matthew 11, beginning in verse uh, 28. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, what's so hard about it then? Chesterton says it's been found difficult and left untried, and that certainly is what I have seen. In, my, in all my years, I've seen people who have bailed out of Christianity and they might say, well, I have come to a philosophical conclusion that it doesn't make sense. But I know, the people that I've known, I know why they're bailing. Because they don't want to deal with the consequences of what it means to be a believer. If I'm a believer, then this has to be the case. I know I'm going to have to do these things. And yet Jesus says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What is it that people find hard about it? It's the flesh. It's not that God, what's hard about Christianity is not that God is there with all of these hoops we have to jump through and all of this work we have to do. That's not it at all. It's just that there are things there. We have trained ourselves, and this is something we talked about during the fast, That we have a love for the things of this world and we've trained ourselves and gotten used to satisfying all of our urges and all of our appetites. And we know 
that as believers, if we're going to be sold out followers of Jesus Christ, that we can't do that anymore. That we have to exercise self-control that is part of the fruit of the Spirit. I know people, you do too. People that I know, people I'm close to, who I am convinced believe in God. I mean, they believe in Christ, not just some vague concept of God. But they won't commit to him because it means giving certain things up. They are not ready yet to embrace the consequences of belief. Now, let me just throw this in there. But if they believe in their heart, isn't that good enough? If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus himself said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. Now that's pretty cut and dried. If you are not a confessing believer, you are not a saved believer, even if you believe. Too harsh? So, if God is real, and if Christ indeed has risen from the dead, and if trusting in the finished work of the cross is the only thing that will save me, that changes things, doesn't it? Even if it looks hard. If God is real, and if the finished work of Christ is the only thing that can save me, what options do I have if I really do believe? You know, let me, let me uh, throw these things at you. I believe, uh, and this is really the foundation of a marriage series I did years ago. Uh, but the, the, the premise is this, that we learn something about God from every type of relationship in our life. You know, a child learns about God from his parents because the parents represent God to uh, him or her. As we grow, we learn things about friendship, that friendship isn't just, well, who's your friend? Well, I like so-and-so. Friendship isn't about who you like. It's about trust. It's about sacrifice. It's about loyalty, about faithfulness. Uh, an employer-employee relationship you, teaches you what? You, can you learn anything about God? Yeah, you learn about submission and authority. You learn that somebody's in charge, right? Uh, parenting, when you become a parent, then you see something about God from the other side of the equation. You realize, I, I learned, and I'm, I'm sure every parent has, you get a little bit more of a glimpse of just how much God loves us. But the most intimate things we learn about God, we learn from the most intimate relationships in our lives. And the most intimate relationship we're capable of is marriage. And so when we marry this total devotion, one flesh, unity, then we really get a glimpse of what, it's, what it means to be the bride of Christ. Now listen, if I decide to live my life like a hermit, off the grid, where I don't have to interact with anybody, I guess I can live any way I want. But if I want friends... That changes things. I cannot do anything I want, say anything I want, take anything I want, and expect to have friends. Friendship requires giving. If, uh, if I want to keep a job, 
I can't show up for work when I want to show up for work. I have to show up when the boss wants me to work. And I have to do the job the way the boss wants me to to do it. I don't get to call the shots. When I get married, when I have kids, things change. Once I decide to commit to this relationship, once we commit to the responsibility of having kids, it gets better. It changes for the better. But it is absolutely different. You cannot live for yourself and be successful at marriage. You sacrifice some things when you have kids. I love telling our children about all the trips we could have taken and the things we could have bought if we just didn't have kids. But this is way, way better. Usually. So... It's the same with Jesus. If I am going to willingly confess him as Lord and receive him as Savior, then I have to consider the consequences of that decision. I can't expect to reap the benefits of that if I'm not willing. Not that I'm earning my salvation. This isn't an equal thing. I'm receiving a gift. But I have to be able to look ahead, counting the cost. And you can say, well, Scott, we can't see the future. How can I commit to staying the course if I don't know what the future holds? Listen, you didn't know what the future held when you got married. You didn't know what the future held when you decided to be somebody's friend, when you took a job, when you had kids. But you committed. If you're doing it right, you're staying committed. Why am I staying? I didn't see my marriage being like this. So why are you still married? Because I made a vow before God. Why don't you just disown your kids? Because they're my kids. I'm committed. No, I didn't see this stuff coming. But it's just, hey, we've made commitments, right? If we're doing this thing right, so we don't see everything coming. Here's the thing. Here's what should make it easier. God has made some very specific promises, and God is faithful. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I will remain faithful to you. Now, we've made promises like that, and we've bailed on those promises with other people, right? God won't ever bail on us. So we can trust him. His mercies are going to be new every morning. There's a long list of promises, but let me hurry and get to the good stuff here. Because when we're talking about looking ahead, in short term, we look ahead in light of our past. Remember last week what we were talking about, the after action review. Let's look at what we did last week, yesterday, last month, last year, and decide what can I do better, especially in light of looking ahead at where I want to be next week or a year from now. Tweak some things. Make some decisions. Resolve, since it's still around New Year. Specifics. Here's some simple things. I will read my Bible this year. It's been a little while since I talked about this, but you can read your whole Bible in a year with just 15 minutes a day, and that's if you are an average to slow reader. 15 minutes a day. Now listen, if you would give 15 minutes of Bible reading in the morning and 15 minutes in the evening, you can read through two whole translations of the Bible in a year. And is that asking a lot? That would be more Bible than some of you have read in your life. I don't say that to be insulting. I just know statistically that's probably true. There's probably somebody in here who the cumulative Bible reading you've done in your life doesn't equal reading through the Bible once, let alone twice. Now, do you believe, can, and you, I, don't, nobody, I don't want anybody to raise their hand and say, yes, you're talking about me, I never read my Bible. But 
Does everybody in here agree that reading and learning the Bible will produce spiritual benefits for you? Okay. So then is that worth doing? Is that a commitment worth making? I mean, I'm utterly convinced, and I've seen it. It is good to know the Word of God, and you can know it. Are you going to be an expert, even reading it through twice this year? You're not, but you will be amazed at the difference it will make just being familiar with it. Pray, and pray every day. Pray, pray always, at all times, Paul said. We should be able to slip into a prayer, and it doesn't, well, I don't have time to pray because I've got to find a place to kneel and get alone. No, 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 no. You can be praying constantly. Pray for five seconds at a time as you're walking uh, from, from one place to another. Pray in the car. Pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. But commit to doing it, and watch your life change. How about this? Find a place to serve. Or let us find you a place to serve. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.